Among the many problems with false teaching is the negative impact on people. Peter says many will follow their sensuality. You know, false teaching stumbles many people. And the question is, what does God do about false teachers and false teaching? Well, Peter tells us what he does. And he gives us some examples about angels in the ancient world and even the ashes of Sodom and Gomorrah as a stern warning to those who knowingly teach false things or what we might call heretics. Peter will give us more about that, things we need to know. It's today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. How many people, just step back for a second and just think with me, how many people have been wounded by religion? Manipulated by it. Would you say that there's a lot of people who, you know, they, they entered into a cult and they got totally manipulated. Have you ever watched, you know, Saturday Night, those 2020 specials and what a so-called cult leader did to people and stole their wives away? And, you know, sometimes some of these ended up with uh, the officials in a gun battle. And it's just, it's just crazy. And, and if you know, remember Jonestown, people drank the Kool-Aid and some people didn't want to drink the Kool-Aid, but they had guns pointed at them. So they had to drink the Kool-Aid. They were going to die either way. And so many will follow their sensuality because people love easy religion. I don't want something that's going to be hard and challenging. If I can do whatever I want and still have my tiki into heavy heaven, then I'm good with that, right? So people will, they'll go for that. Oh, you, you don't have to keep all that stuff. You're, you're fine, right? So people buy into this because people love to have their ears. Oh yeah, tickle it. Go ahead. Tell me lies. Tell me sweet little lies. Tell me what I want to hear. And it's, it's convenient for people, but it's not true. And so many will follow their sensuality and because of them, the way, oftentimes Christianity has been called the way, especially that was the early uh, name for the Christian faith was the way. The way of the truth, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. It will be maligned. See that word maligned there in the New American Standard? It's the word blasphemeo in Greek and it's just like it sounds. The way of the truth will be blasphemed. Here, now think about it. Just, just this, this is a modern application. Oh, you say you're a Christian. I saw you, man. You, you live like the devil. But you go to that church on Sunday, don't you? And it gives the watching world reason to what? Blaspheme. To malign the truth to think it's a joke, that it doesn't really, your life isn't any different than anybody else's. You claim this Christian stuff, but look at you, right? David was told in 2 Samuel 12, 14 that he had given the enemies of God reason to blaspheme. You can write down also Romans 2, 24. It's the same idea. In Titus 1, 16, it says, they profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny him, being detestable, 
disobedient and worthless for any good deed. They profess to know God, listen, but by their words they, or excuse me, by their deeds they deny him. You will know someone by their what? Their fruits. Now, no Christian walking around is perfect. We all know that. But a Christian ought to be fruit bearing. Would you agree? There, there are certain things that the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to grow so that we can have a living testimony. Here's the motivation of the false teachers. And in their greed, 2 Peter 2, 3, in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Greed is their motivation. Now, I know that this is shocking to most of you tonight. That greed would be a motivator for someone to pull the wool over the sheep's eyes, as it were, get a big movement going for the sake of money, not for the sake of the glory of God. Shocking, isn't it? No. <laughs> because we can see, even in many modern examples, which I could name, name after name, and I won't do it tonight, but I could name the names tonight and you would immediately know who I'm talking about. And there's a question mark hanging over their ministry. Why? Because there are gobs of money coming in with very little to no accountability. And so it becomes about planes and it becomes about expensive suits and $10,000 a night hotel rooms. And I'm not joking when I say $10,000 a night hotel rooms on ministry money. Now, it is true that a workman is worthy of his wages. And it's not a matter of that a man in the ministry ought not to be taken care of. But we're talking about someone who is full of greed. If you write down Luke 16, 14, Jesus uh, is going to address the Pharisees there. And he's going to tell the story about the rich man and Lazarus. And it says in Luke 16, 14, that the Pharisees were lovers of money. The rich young ruler would not follow Jesus because he had what? Many possessions. And in 1 Timothy 6, it says that there are people who want to get rich. And 1 Timothy is a pastoral epistle. I'll tell you what, turn over there because it's, it's worth looking at. 1 Timothy 6, a few pages back. 1 Timothy 6, remember the pastoral epistles of 1 and 2 Timothy and uh, Titus address uh, primarily the, the main audience is those who are going to be in the ministry and then ways that you can judge that. In 1 Timothy 6, uh, this is, let's go back to verse 6. It says, godliness, 1 Timothy 6, 6, actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have, we've brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. But those, 1 Timothy 6, 9, who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. Think of what Peter said about the, their destruction. For not money, but the love of money. Money is neutral. Money is a means of, you know, buying things and it's just an, something for exchange. It's not money. It's the love of money that is the root, a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it, for money, have what? They have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many a pang, many griefs. But by contrast to those, Paul says to Timothy, 
But flee from these things, you, Timothy, man of God, and pursue instead of those things, righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Greed is their motivation. Turn back to 2 Peter. Micah 3.11. Micah 3.11 says, Her leaders pronounce judgment for a bribe. Her priests instruct for a price. Her prophets divine for money. Yet they lean on the Lord, saying, Is not the Lord in our midst? Certainly no calamity will come upon us. But they're ripping the people off, and they're doing everything for money. So in their greed, they will exploit you. It means they will, if you have a King James, it says they will make merchandise of you. They will traffic with you, deal with you. They will exploit you with false words. The Greek word for false words here is plastos, where we get the word plastic. They will uh, exploit you with plastic words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. They're going to be judged. It just hasn't happened yet because the Lord is patient. Flip over to the next chapter to your right. The Lord, 2 Peter 3, 9, is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but he's patient toward you, 2 Peter 3, 9, not wishing for any to perish, but for what? All to come to repentance. Their judgment you know, sometimes do you watch these guys and you see them, it's, it's obvious to you that they're ripping off the whole bunch of them. And you think, Lord, when are you going to zap that individual with lightning? <laughs> and the answer is, God is waiting for repentance because God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. None. Ezekiel thirty-three eleven, None. So he waits. But if a man continues to represent Jesus Christ in quotes, he says he's a Christian teacher, and yet he is making merchandise of God's people, the judgment of God is hanging over him. It's not asleep. It's not even blinking. You could define the language this way. It's just, it's going to come in God's time. And so he needs to repent of what he's been doing. Even a false teacher can repent, and God would have him to do that. Now, just in case we needed a little bit of affirmation as to the fact that God does judge wayward individuals, especially when it comes to this leading people into sensuality and lust, he says he's going to give three Old Testament examples, and we could argue all three are from the book of Genesis. Example number one is angels. For if or since God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell... This is the word Tartarus, T-A-R-T-A-R-O-S or U-S, Tartarus. I think it's the only place it's used in the New Testament. And in the Greek mind, this was the abode of the wicked dead, including gods with a small g and demons. It was the deepest, darkest, gloomiest place of judgment. Peter uses the word he says, if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, Tartarus, and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment. Uh, he didn't spare angels. Which angels are these? Well, we do know that there is such a thing as fallen angels. And we would say that fallen angels are demons. How many angels are there? How many fallen angels are there? We don't know for sure. 
but there's perhaps Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael. I just want to share my heart for a second. We have a website called walkintruth.com and we've put up a store and we're adding more and more products to it. But one of the reasons I want to get you to that store is that you can partner with us in the ministry. You know, radio airtime costs money and we want to reach more people. If you're being blessed by this ministry, one of the ways that you can partner with us is to go to the website and purchase a product. You can also purchase my book on The Armor of God. I'll get you a signed copy and whatever you give to the ministry will go directly to paying for radio airtime. That's one way you can partner with us. You can help us reach more people like you and you can partner with us in the gospel ministry. It's a great thing. We appreciate you. We love you. Pray for us. We'll keep praying for you. Reach out to us today through the store at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. God bless you. This is the word Tartarus, T-A-R-T-A-R-O-S or U-S, Tartarus. I think it's the only place it's used in the New Testament. And in the Greek mind, this was the abode of the wicked dead, including gods with a small g, and demons. It was the deepest, darkest, gloomiest place of judgment. Peter uses the word. He says, if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, Tartarus, and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment. Uh, he didn't spare angels. Which angels are these? Well, we do know that there is such a thing as fallen angels. And we would say that fallen angels are demons. How many angels are there? How many fallen angels are there? We don't know for sure. But there's perhaps millions. Some even think billions. And they fell along with Lucifer or Satan. And now there's this demonic activity. Back in Genesis chapter 6 in a debated passage, if you want to hear me go through all the views, uh, I did it. It's on our website. You can go back and look at that message. One view of these angels is that these are the ones, they're called sons of God, who saw the daughters of men. And this is where, this, this is one view, and some people have issues with this, this view, but they believe they inhabited, uh, possessed bodies of people and cohabited with women. One motivation that some scholars believe is for the purpose of defiling the human race, kind of a tactic of Satan to keep the, to de, dilute the human race or destroy the human race to keep the Messiah from coming. That's predicted in Genesis 3. It's one view. But it's really that they looked on these women with lust. They saw that they were beautiful. They lusted after them. And they, they left their proper abode. Write down, um, just so you can go back and check this, Genesis 6, especially verses 1 and 2. Now, Jude comments on this. This is a little bit to your right, right before Revelation. You got the book of Jude and then Revelation. So a, little, a few pages to your right. Jude and 2 Peter are very close in their content. And here's what Jude says about this group that God did not spare. He says, in Jude is only one chapter, verse five. Now I desire to remind you, though you know all things once for all, that the Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe. Jude, verse six. And angels, that's our discussion point for this example, 
who did not keep their own domain, Greek word arcane, their own source, their own origin, where they belonged, but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under, the, under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Just as, in the same way, if you will, Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they, in the same way as, verse 6, the angels, as these indulged in what? Gross immorality. They went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment, scary, of eternal fire. So you say, well, what's the purpose of Peter's example? Simply this. If God did not hesitate to judge angels when they got off track and got into sensuality and did an abominable deed, will God not judge false teachers too? Answer, yes. But he hasn't done it yet, somebody might say. Oh, that doesn't mean the judgment isn't on his calendar. It just means that he hasn't done it yet. But the day is coming. And let's say that the false teacher never repents and, and he lives to 105 and he dies. He's still going to stand before God. And James 3, 1 says, let not many of you be teachers for we will incur what? The stricter judgment. So I am often surprised at how people can callously step into a pulpit, have before them the inspired word of God and twist the scriptures for their own personal gain. Um, it's a scary proposition, no doubt. First example was angels. Second example is the ancient world. Angels and the ancient world. Example number two is also from Genesis, starting in verse six. God did not spare 2 Peter 2, 5, the ancient world. What did he do? He preserved Noah. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And how many people got on the boat with Noah? Well, there was only seven, and they were family members. When he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. Now think with me. In Genesis 6, 5, you don't have to turn there, but I think you all know it. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And God was sorry, vexed, hurt that he had made man because man now took every intent of the thought of his heart. And here's the, the Hebrew word is the word for shaping pottery. He was able to take thoughts in and reshape them into wickedness. And God looked and said, everything they think about is evil, wrong, terrible. In fact, Genesis 6, 11 says the earth was filled with violence. Violence everywhere. Pastor Chris prayed, but it's worth mentioning. Another school shooting in Florida. 14 wounded. Uh, last I heard, numerous fatalities. How many is it? 17 wounded and 17 dead. And, you know, what was the last one was in Kentucky. It was another school. And are you losing count? And sadly, are we becoming a little calloused? Because it's happening so much. And Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. 
They were eating and drinking, given in marriage. They were going about their normal daily life until the day that Noah entered the ark. And God gave mankind 120 years to repent. Life, that's not lifespan there because people lived more than 120 years after that. It's 120 years to repent. Three times 40, by the way. 40 is the number of testing and God gave them three times the normal amount. The wilderness wandering was 40 years. He gave them a buck 20, 120 to repent. And then the flood came. And how many converts did, you know, you know he was probably leading all the talk shows. Nutty Noah's at it again. Click, 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 click. Repent. The flood's coming. The flood's coming. <laughs> oh, yeah, old man. It doesn't even rain around. Now, I'm not making this up. There's actually extra biblical literature that says this is probably what people were saying to Noah. What are you doing, old man? Building a boat, huh? <laughs> News at 11. Nutty Noah's at it again. Look, there he is again. And he tapped and he preached. And with each stroke of the hammer, do you think some people walked by and went, not even, not even. I wonder if someday you're going to need that boat. You know how people are when they get with their friends. They love to mock Christians and Christianity, right? Yeah, they're a Christian, they're a Christian. And then they go home. Sometimes they get in trouble and they call the Christian. They want to know why it is you live the way you live. And Noah, verse 5, was a preacher. He wasn't just a boat builder. He was a preacher. He preached righteousness. And when the flood came, God shut the door. And only Noah's family was saved. The ark became a picture of Jesus Christ. He is our ark. And by faith, Noah, Hebrews eleven seven being warned by God about things not yet seen in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. You can write down Hebrews eleven seven. Flip back one book to 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3, subject matter similar. 1 Peter 3, verse 18 says... 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, in order that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. 1 Peter 3.19, In which also he went and made proclamation. The Greek word is caruso. It means to herald something. It can mean preaching, but it doesn't have to. He made proclamation to the spirits who are what? Now in prison, probably the same group. Uh, it's debated, but it's a pretty good argument. Who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of who? Noah. During the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, seven plus Noah's eight, were brought safely through the water. And corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. Keep reading. Not the removal of dirt from the flesh, 
but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected, subjected to him. When it says he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, that's probably a proclamation of his victory over these demonic spirits in this place called Tartarus. That's one major view. Seems to fit well with the evidence. So you have 2 Peter 2, as we'll finish it up. You have the example of the angels who left their proper abode. You have the example of the flood. And we'll see in chapter 3 that the false teachers seem to be the mockers who deny uh, the second coming of Jesus Christ and the cataclysmic judgment of the flood. So you have in verse five, uh, verse four is the angels. Verse five, God did not spare the old or ancient world. He preserved Noah, but he brought the flood. Jesus believed in the flood. And then the third example, also from Genesis chapter 19, and if or since God condemned the cities of what? Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who would live ungodly thereafter. And if he rescued righteous Lot, oppressed by the, what, what's your Bible say? Sensual conduct. Go back to verse two. The false teachers are leading people into sensuality. Uh, what was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah is uh, the sensual conduct of unprincipled men. So God did not spare those cities. The stench of their sin came up to God. And God showed up in Genesis 18. You have the angel of the Lord and two angels. We believe it's Jesus with two angels, the Lord with two angels. And he said, shall I tell Abram, Abraham what I'm about to do? I think it was a rhetorical question. He knew what he was going to do, right? And so Abraham begins to barter with God. Hey, if, I don't think he said, hey, Lord, <laughs> if there's 50 righteous people in that city, will you spare the city? And then he kept going down, right, by increments. If there's 10, spare the city for 10. There wasn't 10. Basically just Lot and his family. And God rained fire and brimstone down on that area and Lot had to be pulled out by the angels. Kind of a picture of the rapture before the judgment. And Jesus says, remember Lot's wife because she looked back. And did she look back and get turned into salt? Is that the deal? Or in stopping, did she get consumed in the fire of the judgment? That's a possible interpretation. Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael, and I appreciate you listening to today's message. I want to tell you about the store at walkintruth.com. On the store, we have a brand new teaching up. It's on the occult. It's called The Dark Dangers of the Occult. And we have taught on the subject of demon possession, and we also have taught on the subject of Wicca or witchcraft. And there's more to come. And you need to know about this subject. You need to know what's going on with the occult, what the Bible says about it. It warns about it being forbidden. It warns that you should not mess with it. But there's also something else. We need to reach out to people in love with the truth of Jesus who've gotten involved in the occult. You can have access to this information, these resources to learn more and to become a more effective ambassador for Christ. It's all available at the Walk in Truth store at walkintruth.com. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. 
You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.